Before we get started on today's message, I just wanted to reach out to our online community, those that listen on the website or maybe download the podcast, and just say hello and just tell you how happy we are that Living Springs Ministry reaches out, uh, in some cases, to different countries, and we're super excited to get those emails and things like that. We have three things that are coming up that are big for our church. One is, in three weeks, we're going to be ditching church and not having a Sunday morning service, and we're going to go out into the community and fix up some homes. We're also beginning our building program where we're remodeling some bathrooms and then redoing our entire patio area and children's play equipment area. And the last thing is our food ministry continues to be a blessing to the families in our neighborhood. And so I just wanted to give you the opportunity, if you would like to contribute to uh, the ministry at Living Spring, we would really appreciate it uh, as so that we can continue to do the things that are on our heart and then we can continue to minister to you as well. So if you'd like to do that, you can go online to www.livingspring.com. You're probably already there if you're listening to the message. And just click the Donate Now uh, button and you can uh, donate online. If not, don't worry about it. No big deal. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to do that. Thanks a lot. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, it's awesome to be here and be preaching a Mother's Day sermon. My mom, when I was 13 years old, we lived in a small house. It was about 700 square feet, between six and 700 square feet. And my parents' bedroom, you could go through, like to get to the kitchen, you could go through my parents' bedroom. And they, they had this, like, it wasn't supposed to be a bedroom. It was supposed to be like a like living room area, but they made it into a bedroom because the house was so small. And um, if the door was open, you could just walk right through there, right into the kitchen. And it was a little shortcut into the kitchen. Everything in the house was a shortcut, but it doesn't matter. Uh, right? And so, um, so the doors were open, so I walked in. And I saw my mom lying on the bed, motionless, just staring at uh, out across the room, and uh, and my like my heart starts pounding, and and she's not moving at all. She's just staring. I said, "Mom, nothing. Mom, nothing." And so I, I went to go shake her, and she she started laughing. Ha! I tricked you. You thought I was dead. So I, I thought you'd like that Mother's Day story. Okay. When I was in college. Uh, my freshman year, on April Fool's Day, she called me and told me my dog had died. And then just laughed, ah, I got you again. You're so trusting, you know. So when Lisa was about seven years old, her parents uh, were driving down, uh, to, down like in the Mojave Desert and stopped off to get gas and then got gas and left and left her behind. And uh, so... They just kept driving, and then, and then, because they have like 27 kids or whatever, so um, they keep driving, and so Lisa, at seven years old, I think that's how old she was, just started walking down that highway in the Mojave Desert crying, saying goodbye to each one of the family members, um, and, and then, they, then they remembered, and they turned around, and they got her, and everyone in the car was laughing, right, including her mom, right? Now, the reason I tell you these is because we're really bent out of shape and hung up over these things, and I wanted to get that off my chest. No. <laughs> the reason we talk about this is that if I just told you those stories about her mom and my mom, you'd be like, what? 
that family's jacked up, you know? But my mom's awesome, and she does. She loves to do practical jokes, and she'd, she'd, she'd be sitting here laughing along with you right now. She'd probably shoot silly string at me. I don't know. But, but uh, that's just my mom. And so, but you don't know that from the story. You just think, wow, you guys are twisted. You know, like, that's so, you poor guy, you know, which that's okay to feel that way. But, uh, but that's the thing. And here's the thing. There's no perfect mom. There's no perfect mom. Like, I really want to get that across, really, to the moms here. There's no perfect mom. You don't have to be a perfect mom. It's, but the problem is there's so much pressure. There's so much responsibility. There's so much feeling of a need to control because if you don't do it, what, your husband's going to do it? Uh-uh, right? You get that feeling of, Oh, there's just so much on the line. And it's a big deal. When we, were, when we first had our kids, there were two camps uh, that were like really big, like rising up. And for those of you who are my age, you'll remember these if you raise kids around that time. One was called Growing Kids God's Way, which just has a formidable title anyway. But uh, and in Growing Kids God's Way, their whole thing is like the parents are the center. And then there's these kids, you know, and, and the, but the parents' relationship, that comes first. And so they had this thing uh, called couch time, which I thought was cool. Uh, and, and so what would happen is when you got home, you didn't acknowledge the kids. You first acknowledged the spouse so that the kids could see that that was a really tight union there. And you kind of ignored them and had couch time. Well, come to find out, couch time is just talking about your day. So that was a disappointment for me. But anyway, so, uh, so you'd then talk about your day and your kids were supposed to sit and, you know, look at you and go, wow, look at them talk about their day. The problem is I really love my kids. So when I got home, I'm like, I don't have time for couch time. They want to have a water fight. And so, you know, I want to do that instead. So there was that camp. And, 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 and then there was the other camp, Dr. Sears at, at the time. I don't know if he's still around. Whatever, but that's more of like a kid-centric parenting thing. And in that, in that one, you have your kids sleep with you until they get their masters. And then, <laughs> and so that's like bonding and all this kind of stuff. But that's that's those are obviously exaggerations. But that's what it felt like to me in in re- reading those things. And so I'm just like, bump it, you know. It, it, I don't even read a book or whatever. Not Lisa. Lisa was like, oh boy, you know. Oh, we can't do this, we can't do this. And then she's reading and she's talking to people. Why? Because there's so much pressure because there's so much on the line. As a mom, you just feel like it's all on your shoulders, okay? And, uh, you know, grandparents, they're not too much of a help because they've either raised kids and they have all this advice to give you and, and, and you know, or they raise kids like my dad and he just laughs at me and he's like, ah, you have to go through it now, sucker, you know, and I, I'm like, hey, this isn't helpful at all. And, and you know, and they get, and things change. They have, they have the five S's now with the swaddling, uh, uh, the, you know, shushing, the swinging, you know, and I had, uh, and when I was growing up, it was uh, shouting, swatting, sarcasm, and uh, no seatbelts. Yeah, those are, my, those are the five. Okay, it's, it's constantly changing, okay? And here's the thing. It doesn't really ever go away if you're a mom. 
Some of you, even now, your kids are growing out of the house, but there's still that pressure of what kind of decisions are they making? What are they doing? There's there's so much on the line. There's there's so much going on. What I want to do this morning is uh, read a story about the best mom in the history of mankind raising the best kid in the history of mankind. And so then you'll feel horrible about yourselves and you'll just go home. No, we're going to see a mistake that the best mom in the history of mankind made, Mary. Mary actually made a mistake when she was raising Jesus. And Jesus turned out okay, you know what I mean? And so, and so what we're going to talk about this morning is what happened, what was the mistake, how did that all work out, and then how do we move forward into this week? Because because it's great to have a Mother's Day sermon and talk about all that kind of stuff, but tomorrow they go to school or you have to go to work or the house needs to be picked up, all the stuff. Today might be a mani-pedi and brunch, and that's cool, but you've got this whole, the whole weight of the world on, on your shoulders. We, uh, and then, you know, you, you end up comparing. Like you, it's just natural. You start thinking about what this mom does and, and what happens when people compare typically is that they just pick the one element of each mom that's awesome, and they feel, you know, this one keeps their house clean. I wish I kept my house clean. This one, you know, educates their own children, and I just ship them off to school. Oh, this one does. And you, you end up just getting all that pressure. It was really cool. When we first got, uh, had kids, um, my friend got, had kids at the same time, and we had two girls who were, like, super well-behaved. Like, they never did anything wrong. And and then my friend, he had two boys, and, and they were crazy. And, and like in the beginning, I, I thought it was me. Like I thought I was a pretty good dad, right? And, and then we had a son. Um, and I became an atheist. No. Um, no, right? Because, but you're always comparing, you're always looking, all this kind of stuff. There's a ton of pressure. And I want to read a story to you about a mom. But before I do that, I want to show you a picture of clo- close to the perfect mom, uh, this is my wife, Lisa. I know. But that's not what I want to show you. That, that's not where we're going. Uh, see, it looks perfect, but y- you start to see, <laughs> like, maybe there's something wrong, right? And so I started looking through these pictures going, I thought she was the perfect mom, but it turns out she's not. Look, this is her with a baby and a snake. <laughs> I start thinking, you know, she... Because I thought, they were, I, I was going to say, there's no perfect mom. But then I'm like, Lisa, but now I'm like, no. And then, and then, and then here's Jesse, just, ba- no. Those are, hard, those are hardwood floors, okay? They warp when they get wet like that, okay? Look at this. That's all Lisa's side of the family. Look at that. This is, look, I mean, this is, this is crazy stuff here, okay? Just so we're clear. Yeah, ah, that's cat food. Okay? You're like, oh, oh, little whiskers, you know? Okay. And there's that one, which is cool. So I don't know where the mom is doing all this, but in any event, uh, that, that, that's kind of the thing. Now, okay, look, I'm joking, but, but listen, you could go through your whole, all your pictures and everything, and, and, and there's probably pictures in your mind, if you're a mom, about things you wish you'd done differently, things you wish you'd said differently, things you wish you hadn't experienced from your mom, and all this kind of stuff. And I just want us to look at a story, kind of see if we can get into Mary's skin for a little bit, and then we're going to shoot to another verse that I, I hope just gives you nothing but um, 
uh, hope and peace this week as you go along your week. We're in Luke chapter 2. And what's happened is Mary's just had Jesus and she's taken him to be circumcised and she's just trying to do everything right and her week has been awesome. She had the baby. Um, the shepherds come and they talk about the angels and she's had angels visit her through this thing. And, and, and when she goes to the temple to have him circumcised, this guy named Simeon just like says all these great words about Jesus. And so you, as a young mom, you're just like, this is so cool. And, and, and then this woman, Anna, she's a prophetess. She lived at the temple just fasting and praying and she's really spiritual. And she was talking about Jesus, all these great things. And so Mary, like as a mom, you're just like, you're in the zone. And, and so it, it says this, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they knew exactly what they needed to do to raise this, this little boy. Okay? They returned to Galilee to their own town, Nazareth. And then, they, then the Bible kind of foreshadows of what happens, which we already know. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And so you're like, wow, Mary just... They hit it out of the park. I mean, Mary, they, you know, and that's, this is what we want for all our kids, right? We want them to be filled with wisdom and the grace of God to be on them. I mean, the, the, this is what we want for our kids. Um, and maybe to marry someone rich. I don't know. Okay, check this out. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to custom. So they've done this 12 years in a row. And it's a big deal because to leave from Nazareth to go to Jerusalem, that's about 70 miles. Okay? I drew it in a straight line on my, I got this fancy map about the Bible on my computer. And like a straight line is 63 miles. But, you know, you've got all this kind of stuff. So I added seven. You probably add more. But they'd go. And so think about that. You got your whole family. Jesus had brothers and you got everybody. Everybody's going to Jerusalem. So maybe it's four days, I don't know, five days uh, of, of travel. So it's a big deal. And they did this every year. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the, the custom. So you're thinking, man, they, perfect mom, right? After the festival was over, while Jesus, but while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Because he's 12, he's got stuff to do. I mean, he, you know, he hits a 12-year-old's mind and you just do it. But they were unaware of it. Now, as we sit here, how long do you think a good mom would notice that their kid isn't around? I mean, we just made fun of Lisa's mom, right? Uh, she, Lisa had to wait five minutes before her mom noticed that she was gone and they laughed at her and it was a great story, Right? How long do you think it would be normal to miss your kid when you're on a trip like that? Well, watch. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him. A day. A whole day. They traveled. Now, they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Okay, so if anyone's are campers, you know, you go out with a whole bunch of, you've probably had this happen where you've gone out and camped with a whole bunch of families and everybody just kind of like jams around with everybody. Maybe you go to the river, maybe you go up in the mountains, whatever. And so, so you're not really, I, we, I can understand where Mary's coming from. She just thinks, oh, it's, she's with cousin, you know, Melchizedek or whatever they named him. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a big deal. 
But check this out. If you've already gone a day, you have to go back a day to get back to Jerusalem. It wasn't like you just get on the, like the bullet train. You traveled a day. Now, if you're a mom with all the pressure of raising kids, imagine what that must have felt like as you began searching from place to place and you start going from family member to family member to friend. Are you sure you haven't seen Jesus? No, we thought it was with you. We thought it was with you. And just that feeling of dread. I, I, as a dad, I felt it before where you're at the park or whatever and you look around, you can't see one of your kids. And at first you're just like, oh, okay, they're probably by the swings. And at each place you look, you start to get that like, oh man. And, and soon you're kind of like in a panic and you're, you're up and you're whistling and calling and all this kind of stuff. And you don't care how foolish you look. You want to find that kid. This is where Mary's at. Oh, and one other thing. He's the Messiah. You lost the Messiah. How do you lose track of the Messiah? And then you got to walk back to go get him, if that's even where he is, because you don't know. And you, you're probably doing what any parent would do. You're probably praying to his dad. Like, you're praying, God, uh, Heavenly Father, you know Jesus, the one you sent down, right, from heaven. Uh, everything's cool. He's doing great in math. Um, and thanks for the responsibility, but... We can't find him now. And since you're up there, if you could just kind of glance around and let me know. Like, how do you pray to God about his son that you lost? Two days. Now watch what happens. This is so amazing. So they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Just again, try to get in this mother's skin for a little bit. Even if you're a dude, you can, you can do that. After three days, they found him. Oh, could you imagine being a parent and you can't find your kid for three days? And it's not like you got a cell phone or can post on Facebook. Can everyone look for my kid? I mean, you, you just, you're, she must have been a wreck. Mary must have been a wreck and she must have been thinking, and I don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us, but she must have been thinking, what have I done? What kind of mom loses their kid for three days? But here's what I'm here to tell you. The best mom in the history of mankind, we call her Mother Mary, lost the best kid ever. Now, doesn't that take a little bit of pressure? Okay, so your kid's not potty trained and he's four. That's all right. You didn't lose the Messiah, right? I mean, that's, and all week long, you can just say to your spouse, hey, at least they didn't lose the Messiah. You know, and that could be kind of a thing. Now watch, three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and answers. Now, this is great for Jesus. Jesus hangs out three days in the temple. I don't know where he lived, where he slept, who fed him, or like if he was just like kicking back. I, I, I would love to know what was that three days like for Jesus, you know? Did he ever go think to himself, you know, my parents might be a little worried about me right now. I probably should have told them where I was going. They were amazed to understand. Now watch this. This is just so amazing. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. <laughs> oh, I'll bet they were astonished. I'll bet they were freaking out. 
again, anyone who's had kids, even when you've lost them for just 30 seconds, knows that feeling of when you see them again. Like, okay, good. You know, they were just, you know, climbing up the, you know, the side of a building or whatever, depending on your children. Uh, but, you know, it's like all of a sudden you see them and you get that whole sense of, ah, oh, I'll bet Mary went looking over to Jesus and just grabbed his face and was checking to make sure he's okay and hugging him and loving him. And then I'll bet right after that, she was like, why you little, you know, three days of agony and anxiety and all of that would probably just come bursting forth. And then she'd look back and go, oh, I overreacted. Why did I do it? Like any, like any mom, Mary's just like any mom. She's the best mom ever, and she lost the best kid ever. She says, they were astonished. His mother said, why have you treated us like this? Which is a fair question. You've asked your kids that. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you, why are you acting like that? What? I'll bet Mary was just irate. And I would have loved to have been there to see the walk back to Nazareth. Oh, no, you, I don't care if you're the Messiah. You're going to stay right here. You're not going anywhere. She says, to Astana, Son, why have you treated me like this? Your father, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Yeah. Man, three days without your kid, and you don't know where they are. And all the feeling you'd feel of, of, of I failed. I, I, I thought, I, you know, an angel told me I was going to do a halfway decent job if he's going to be the Messiah. I mean, like, all the questions you have, and that's what happens. So Jesus, typical 12-year-old, begins his argument with a why. He says, why are you searching for me? I'm 12 years old, man. I'm almost an adult. <laughs> like, he didn't say that, I don't think. But he said, why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And here's just a typical parent response. They didn't understand what he was saying to them. Like, what? Didn't we? No, we didn't think you had to be in your father's house. You were supposed to be with your father and your mother. That's where you're supposed to be. They just have all this emotion and all this stuff going on. Now check this out. So then they went down to Nazareth. They, they went to Nazareth. Nazareth is actually north, but you're going down a, down a hill with them and was obedient to them. So good, no more, no more staying in the temple for three days, right? But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Now, treasured is an unfortunate translation because when we think we treasured them in our hearts, we, we think in terms of, Oh, man, remember when Jesus, when we couldn't find him for three days? Oh, he's just the cutest. You know, don't you run away anymore, Jesus. Th that's kind of what we get with treasure. Like, it was a really good memory. But I'll bet it wasn't a good memory. I, I remember one time, we don't have time to go into it all, but I remember one time, um, Lisa and I really, really, really believed that our kids were, uh, that our girls were abducted. Like, we, we, we believed it. Okay, they were gone, 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 gone. And even now when I know the story, and it's a funny story, <laughs> it, I still have that feel, like I can't get rid of that sense of just like, ah. Oh. That memory is me, 
it, that Greek word is that's me treasuring it in my heart. It's me setting it aside. It's me pondering it going, what in the world? Remember that? Like at least I'll still talk about it like, oh, we can still feel it. That's what that means. And so Mary spends the rest of her life, like you do as a mom, reviewing all the memories and thinking, should I have said that that way? Should I have done that? I wish I had done that. You compare and you think and you look at that kid and you look at your kid and you look at this and you look at that family and it, they look like they have it all together and we don't. And, and, and that person, it seems like everything works out for them and their kids get to go off and do this and my kids struggle and you know, all this kind of stuff, you're setting it aside, you're pondering it, you're going over it in your heart. How, how do you stop when you're a mom? How do you get rid of the weight? How do you, I mean, I mean this is serious stuff. And, 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 and again, it's not just moms, it's parents, it's grandparents. Some, some of you grandparents are raising your kids' kids. And you're, you're, you, you, you obsess about them. And, and the, the, thing, the thing with moms is that the tendency then is to control. The tendency is then to feel like, well, I've, I've got to force it. If, if, you know, because husbands, they're not, they're not at that level of, of, you know, they're not thinking in terms of, well, if this happens and this happens, they're usually, and, and they don't mind, if you want to control and take care of it, I'll go right ahead. I, I know where the clicker is, so, you know. It's like, but you've got it all. You can't, you just, it's a big deal being a mom. And then you read a story and you think, well, there's, at least Mary was a perfect mom. And you're like, man, she's not. If she loses her kids, I can only imagine what, what I'm about ready to do this week. I might explode. And then you got all the pressure of finances, all this kind of stuff. What do you do? How, how do you get rid of it? Well, fortunately, Jesus has an answer. And it's the Jesus that was left behind for three days. He turned out okay. <laughs> Even with that traumatic experience, he turned out fine. And in Matthew... He has what I think is one of the greatest Mother's Day verses you could find. If you want to find one that, uh, that I think is perfect for moms, it's this one. And again, it, it works for everybody, but especially on Mother's Day, if you kind of like go through your week and go through what it's like to raise kids. And he says this, Come to me. All who are weary. Like that sense of just like, wow, is it ever going to end? Another load of laundry? Like, like, it's just weary just means to toil. It's just, it's the work of a mom. It's just, it's that just day-to-day grind of making sure they've got this and making sure that they have that. And, 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 and Jesus says, look, I get that. Come to me. And if you think about it, and I don't know what your week was like, but that's hard to do. It, it sounds easy, but it's really hard because for a mom, you kind of feel like you need to control a little bit. If I go, I can't go to Jesus, I need to go to my husband, and I need to get him going on some of this stuff, or, or I need to, if I don't explain this the right way to my son, he's going to end up doing this for the rest of his life, and he's going to end up in prison, and then he's going to end up, you know, it's like, it's like all the way out. It's, it's hard. But Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary. If you are a mom right now or a grandma or an aunt or whatever, and you just feel tired and you feel overwhelmed, Jesus says, I get it, come. Now he says, 
And then he keeps going. Come to me, all who are weary. This is just the day-to-day toils of life. And heavy laden. These are the burdens, the pressures of, are they going to make it into, you know, gifted math class? Are they going to make it out of gifted math class? Are they going to make it into college? Is this, what is this thing on his foot? Uh, This little bump. What is this? All that, just that burden of, and I really want to do the right thing as a mom. I don't think I've met a mom who isn't like that. It just, I just want to do the right thing. I want, right, we've heard this, but what's best for my child? That's being heavy laden. And Jesus says, when you're weary and you're heavy laden, come to me. Come to me. It's like, yeah, but I really need to talk to the principal. No, come to me. You know, if my husband gets it, no, come to me. As a mom, the best thing you can do for your family is set aside time to come to Christ, to come to Jesus, to bring these cares and these concerns to him. Okay, now watch what happens when we do that. And I will give you rest. Not, I will solve all your problems. You're like, well, then what's the use of going going to if he's not going to solve all my problems? Not, and and I'll get your husband off the couch. You come to me and I'll get him. You duck, I'll smack him. Everything will be cool. You know, you come to me and I'll make sure you haven't seen grades until I'll touch one of their brains and they'll become Einstein. Just come to me. I'll get, no, come to me and I'll give you rest because I got it. I'm in control. It's okay. You're doing a great job as a mom. Even Mary failed and lost the Messiah for three days. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, now, now Jesus kind of adds a little caveat because you think, okay, I'll just, I'll just pray. But Jesus kind of adds another little element to it, and this is where it gets hard to do. He says, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is just a thing where they'd put oxen in. And I know, I realize I just, on Mother's Day, called the women oxen uh, from the pulpit. But the, 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 it was just kind of this, this big swooping thing and the oxen would put their heads in it and it would kind of go in and that's how you'd, you'd be able to control the oxen. And so it was just, it's called a yoke. Okay, I, I had a picture of it, but I, I forgot to put it up. So there's, there's an act of submission to this. And it's difficult. And he goes on, he says, uh, take uh, my yoke upon you um, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And so there's this idea of, okay, Lord, look at my kids, look at my life, look at our home, look at me and what I'm doing, and I humbly submit to your lordship lead. You lead. I'm not going to control. I'm not going to try to take up the reins and then be the one behind and trying to guide and direct and secure and make sure and all this. I'm going to, I'm going to submit under your lordship. And that's hard as a mom because you feel like if I do that, I might miss something. And then Jesus says the exact opposite. You've got to make time to get away and not just find rest. If you notice in the second verse, rest for your souls. 
it's not just a mani-pedi. <laughs> it's like, it's not just Mother's Day where we go, leave mom alone. You get one day out of 365 and, you know, and the dad, I mean, I don't, when I do this or did it when my kids were little, I mean, we get to the end of Mother's Day and I'd like, I'd fall, I, I needed a break and she's like, you're lightweight, dude. You can't even go one stinking day, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'd, of course I didn't do any chores either. So it was just like the house is a mess. She comes back, yay, great, thanks for the day. But that's not the kind of rest we're talking about. Jesus says, I want the rest to be deep. I want to, I want to be able to say, look, if your kids turn out you, with all of your fears, I got you. You're okay. Yeah, but, yeah, but, come under his yoke. Take some time away. Get with your heavenly father. Now listen, um, then he goes on, you're going to find rest for your souls. This is the deep, deep rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here's my hope for this week. I mean, I've been talking to moms basically, but for some of you, just this idea of control is a tough one. You know, even as I talk, there are some uh, who might be in the sound of my voice and you'd love to be a mom, but there's complications and there's all this kind of stuff. And so you feel that just big weight of, should we do something different? Should we go? And maybe you've gone to the doctor and you've gone this, all this kind of stuff. The same thing. Hey, I know you're weary. I, I know it, it, it's heartbreaking. But we, you got to go to Jesus. You got you got to go to Jesus. For some, your grandmas, and you're looking at your kids and the decisions they're making, and you're like, man, I just if I could just, I wish I could control. I wish I could. It's, you got to go to Jesus. For some of you, you're you're single and you're thinking, oh man, I just love to be married. Forget the whole kids thing. Forget Mother's Day. I I just want to get married. You got to go to Jesus. You're gonna wear yourself out. For the men. We have got to, as leaders in our home, make sure our spouses and the children and everybody have times that they can get to be with Jesus. Because we're going to fail as dads. We're going to fail as uncles. We're going to fail as, grand, as granddads. The number one thing we can do for our wives or for mothers is give them the space they need to go to Christ and to get this kind of rest for their souls.